Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for March 6, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, Divine Patience. It always amazes me how little really changes. Our text this morning proves just that. Sure, we're more technologically advanced. Sure, we no longer believe that the earth is flat and we can even go to the moon. We have telephones instead of carrier pigeons and microwaves instead of an open fire. But as much as things change, human nature tends to remain the same. It's as if the cable news network of Palestine carried CNN. Nothing but bad and unexplainable news from the senseless evil that can be found within government power to the random freak accident everyone was asking. What's going on? Why do terrible things happen to good and innocent people? Why do leaders become so powerful that they don't even feel their own insidious actions as hateful? And why do random disasters occur? That's what we read about before Jesus told the parable. The Anderson Cooper of the Holy Land was almost as busy as our current one. I'm going to take my headset off because it is not doing well. If you'll give me this. I want to start over. Okay. That's so much better than the Madonna look, and it won't stay on. Okay. Because, see, that line was a little bit funny, and y'all didn't laugh. (laughs) The Anderson Cooper of the Holy Land was almost as busy as our current one. Good, thank you. Power and leadership gone awry. Buildings collapsing after leaving 18 people dead. It sounds like today's headlines. Nothing made any sense anymore. Sound familiar? And in steps Jesus to remind us that we will all die. And that these kind of tragedies are not causation, but simply correlation. And blessings and curses should not be attributed to our actions. And then he goes all Jesus on them and gives them a parable. Tells them a story. Enter a barren fig tree. Now, fig trees are prominent in the biblical scene. The fig tree is one of the most important fruit trees in Palestine. It's mentioned more than 60 times in the Bible. The fruit, which is sweet and high in sugar content, may be eaten fresh or dried into cakes and stored. And fig cakes were used in the treatment of boils. Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves Sitting under a fig tree was a common image of peace and security. 
But in contrast, the destruction of fig trees appears frequently in warnings of natural, national crises. There was a cursing of a fig tree in Matthew and Mark that's omitted in Luke, though some people would suggest a connection between the cursed fig tree of those Gospels and the barren fig tree of this one. Since the fig tree was closely linked with the nation's security and destruction, any actions around fig trees can be seen as prophetic and political. Oh, so you mean this story isn't about agriculture or gardening? Oh, it's not even a metaphor about our personal growth and care? Oh, it's political. I love when people say that politics and the pulpit should never go together. No, no, no. Partisan and the pulpit should never go together. But everything Jesus talked about was political. So when you see mention of a fig tree, Jesus was talking politics. The tree was not doing its job. Some might call it lazy. Some might call it stubborn. Some might even say, chop it down and just get rid of it. That's how we treat stuff, isn't it? I am so aggravated that our microwave started smoking last week. I mean, I need my food reheated quickly. Who has time to heat something atop the stove? I would have never managed as a cave woman having to start my very own fire. But what aggravates me the most about our now defunct microwave is that the only thing to do with it is to throw it away. Nobody fixes stuff anymore. Everything is disposable. When I smelled the electrical smoke, I instantly opened the door and smoke instantly poured out. I immediately unplugged it from the wall and in our later assess assessment of what to do about it, we concurred, throw it away and buy a new one. We sound a lot like a vineyard owner. But throw it away fast because ain't nobody got time to heat nothing on top of the stove. Patience, friends, patience. That's what the fig tree has to teach us today. Patience. But the tree was not doing its job. Some might call it lazy. Some might think it's stubborn. Some might even say, chop it down and just get rid of it. That's how we treat some people, isn't it? They stand on the side of the road with their signs. They ask us for money in parking lots. They sleep under bridges. And we don't often stop to consider that perhaps there's severe mental illness or the long-lasting effects of physical and emotional abuse that leads them to the place where lack of production and lack of success are rampant. Or what about all of those people who work long, hard hours, longer hours than I and harder hours than I, and they still have to find the nearest loaves and fishes pantry just to put food on their family's table 
but they fall into categories that many people ridicule. Patience, friends. Patience. That's what the fig tree has to teach us today. Patience. But the tree was not doing its job. Some might call it lazy. Some might think it's stubborn. Some might even say, chop it down and just get rid of it. That's how we feel about ourselves sometimes, isn't it? Depression kicks in and sometimes just crawling out of the bed is just about impossible. We crash and we burn and we worry that people may find out our darkest of secrets. We don't have it all together the way that we project that we do. We only show up when we believe we can adequately pull off I'm fine, how are you, conversation with, with conviction. We lose jobs, relationships fail, illness sets in, and we feel like total and complete good-for-nothings. Patience, friends, patience. That's what the fig tree has to teach us today, patience. They say it's a virtue, Patience, that is. You've seen the cartoon slogans about patience. I was so tempted to use some for the bulletin cover today. You know, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now, all caps. Or, I wish I was as thin as my patience. Or, my favorite, Lord, give me patience because if you give me strength, I'm going to need some bail money to go with it. On and on they go, the best one's not repeatable. <laughs> I think that our lack of patience is what makes this story so hard. That and the fact that we have no idea if the patience pays off after a year. Apparently, after the slaughter of some Galileans, Pilate mixed their blood with the blood from the temple animal sacrifices. And folks must have been assuming that the Galileans were the worse sinners than others to have this horrible affront happen. And then there was a tower that randomly fell and killed 18 people. Folks must have wondered if those 18 people were more doomed than others and Jesus proclaims a very loud no. Atrocities and calamity fall upon all. People don't always get their due like we want. And then Jesus calls all, all to repent. For no matter how good or how evil our actions, we all have occasion to turn around. That's what repent means to turn around we all need to turn around and take another look at our lives that's what Lent is for to turn around and take a look at your life to offer I'm sorry's and I was wrong and then after Jesus tells them to repent to turn around we're introduced to a vineyard owner and his gardener 
One tree had no fruit. For three years he'd been waiting for a fig. One measly fig and still nothing. So the owner, almost without thinking, demands the tree to be cut down. He had finally had enough. But the gardener, the one who had been there day in and day out, trying his best to take care and tend, pleaded on the tree's behalf, more time, just a little more time. Let me tend it even more carefully than ever before. One more year, give it just One more year, let's just not give up yet. But what's so interesting about this parable is how it's left so open-ended. It's left for us to finish. Perhaps the owner put his foot down, grabbed the axe himself, and chopped it to the ground while the gardener stood there horrified. Perhaps the owner agreed to the one more year scenario and perhaps in another year the gardener worked his magic and they enjoyed fig preserves on their biscuits for dinner. Since I am a happily ever after kind of girl, I like that ending the best. But my guess is, and since we get to make this up as we see fit, And based on how I read the whole of Scripture and who I believe God to be, then my best guess is this. That they gave it another year. They reassessed after the year trial period. And the conversation went very much exactly the same way as it had gone the year before. It's highly likely that one more year didn't make that big of a difference. But the gardener, I'm guessing, advocated on the tree's behalf for yet another one more year. That kind of advocacy, whether in your office or in your home or with national and international issues, takes patience. We all need to hear that. Patience. Think about it with your children. Think about it with your spouse. Think about it with your parent. Think about it with your coworker. Think about it with all of this political stuff coming at us. Patience, patience, patience. Nobody's going to do anything day one in office. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Come on. Do we look like complete idiots? Patience. Or as Fred Craddock describes this parable, it is a parable of divine patience. The great professor of preaching, Thomas Long, tells this story about the state-run mental hospital where truly hopeless cases were relegated to a back ward. The psychiatrist and the other medical staff avoided this ward, making only the bare minimum of calls and writing off the patients there as unsalvageable. 
Then a women's group from a local church began as just a matter of compassion to visit the patients in the hospital. But no one bothered to tell them that the patients in the back ward were the abandoned ones. So they visited them regularly too, bringing flowers, fresh baked cookies, prayer, cheerfulness, and mercy. Before long, some of the patients began to respond. A few of them even becoming healthy enough to move to other wards. At one level, this was just merely a church group doing what church groups do. At another level, it was a sign of divine fig tree patience. But I want my third grade student that I'm tutoring to be able to read better by the time he takes his end of grade tests. And if he doesn't read better, he will not pass. But the fact that I know and he knows that he will not pass, no matter how much I work with him from now until the end of school, does not keep me from going every single Friday to help him. It is honestly a practice in divine patience. That child does not get enough ADD medicine in him before he gets to me. And I want to sometimes shake him. Divine patience will make me go back next Friday knowing he will not pass the EOG. Not this year. I wonder if I give it another year. But the truth is, he's so far behind, he ain't going to pass next year either. But what if we give him another year after that? And another year after that? And another year after that? Divine patience. And never giving up will be the only thing that saves him. And the same is true for all of our ills. From hunger to homelessness. To strained relationships that become estranged. To substance abuse. The fig tree story teaches us about divine patience. Oh, you might ask or email me. But aren't there times when it's okay to give up and move on? Of course. And there's a story from Jesus about that too. But it's not today's story. Today's story is the one where we concentrate on all the barren fig trees in our lives and pledge to give them one more year. But did you catch what the gardener vows to do in that year? It's not a year of waiting for the lazy, stubborn tree to do all the work itself. He pledges to dig around it and fertilize it. The gardener will do most of the work. That's why I imagine that even at the end of the year, if the tree is still fruitless, the gardener will advocate for yet another year because he will know it's not the tree's fault. It's his own. 
Do y'all get the political implications of this? Because I really do. The ones that suffer the most almost always, very often, it's not their fault. We are the gardeners. Digging, fertilizing, watering, and when it doesn't work, we are the ones that advocate and say, let's give it one more year. I will do more. I will do better. I will give it my all. That's what it means to be an advocate with divine patience. Would that we could be so steadfastly patient. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.